Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi, everyone. It's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Amari and the Knight Brothers by B.B. Austin. Today, we're discussing Chapter 11. Previously on Wizard Team, uh, so Amari's a magician and the directors are not happy about it. Um, they kind of had a meeting to kind of figure out what to do about the fact that she's a magician. Some wanted to put her in jail. Some wanted to uh, experiment on her. Those with sense decided that she should be allowed to continue on in the camp. Um, I guess some wanted to send her home too, which I think is extreme. less- uh, Well, wipe her memory and send her compared home. compared to the other ones. Well, oh, well, wipe her memory and see. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Which is less extreme, but also not great. And then they eventually came to the conclusion, thanks to um, a sensible few, uh, to let her continue on in the camp while they kind of monitor. I the hate that the person who is instead of tagged as sensible came to the meeting without his goddamn body. But he is of like, but it's true that of sensors of in your the, brain, the participant in your head. He brought he brought the necessary he brought the necessary tools. <laughs> he was thoughtful. Maybe that's uh, maybe if he. Maybe if he had his full body, he would be too distracted. He wouldn't have the too like powerful. sense of oneness, just that one brain. But um, and also it's like sucky that like, how are you going to unveil a musician, uh, yeah, a magician in your world, and then make them unaware of it? However, everyone who that happened in front of, including people who were in the room, and also the reporters who have it in the newspapers, are going to know this person. I didn't That's even true. think of it's that. It's a magician. They're walking around unknowing, and you're just all. putting them in this. Like, what? How would that have even, helped at that, all? Like, never even crossed my mind. That is like the worst. Me neither. But that's vigilante yeah. or that's just setting story. her up for you know that, everything. I feel like it was mm-hmm. a movie. It was a movie. I think it was also a book, but I didn't read it, and I can't even really remember the movie Minority Report, where they would like lock people up for mm-hmm. pre crimes, like crimes that they thought about committing. That is what mm-hmm. that just like. That is wild. That is, yeah, no, oh, not at no all. Sense. They would have to wipe everyone's memory of Amari Peters. Yeah, and also all their records mm-hmm. that they have that are like published, all, like trying to find every single ever copy that was ever made that someone mm-hmm. has in their house or yeah. wherever. Like, thankfully, they didn't do that, and Amari's allowed to stay. Yeah, she will be monitored. Um, they don't really discreetly, but they don't really say exactly what that means um, practically, but she will be watched. She knows she'll be watched. And they, uh, the director tells her to make sure that their trust and faith in her is in the right place, which is like, you don't have faith or trust in her because you're monitoring her and you had to be like yeah. argued and led to that point. Yeah, and then yeah, she's prove like, you prove belong you belong here. here. Which she did when she got nominated is, by like, her brother, who you hold up as a beacon. Hello. She got a and moonstone. a moonstone badge. Like, how about yeah. you prove that? Prove you, you belong here. Yeah. Like, but how about you prove that as adults, 
y'all have some semblance of understanding of like, I don't know how to keep a a 12 year old safe with her mother who has her one adult guardian unaware of what she's getting into. Perhaps you should be the one to prove yourselves. Oh, and not Amari. Again, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, Amari's mama, Mama Peter, still, Renee, still doesn't know what's going on. We should just like have that at the top of every recap. Okay, so we enter chapter 11. Um, and after the meeting, Agent Magnus escorts Amari to an elevator named Whispers, which is surprisingly loud, shouting out the name of every floor that they pass. Um, it. I I mean, I know that we discussed, like, it is AI, so yikes. But I like that they have different personalities. I think that that's, like, so, adds to the world. But were they programmed that way, or did they just like have become some kind of either way? It's where terrifying they have built personalities as time yeah, has gone. Either way, yeah. <laughs> I think I kind of think of it as like because there's so much magic, there has to be some kind of effect. Yeah, that both like have cross. on each other. So, like, yeah. if you're just around all of that, I could see it not being the intention. But then that's just kind of yeah. how it is. I mean, I think the thing with you know AI I mean? is there is kind of. There is always a level of sentience in AI because it learns as it goes. Like it learns from its environment and stuff like that. The mm-hmm. the thing that we're dealing with right now is um, like the Turing test of like, when do they learn so much? Like sentience in the sense of you could be fooled into thinking this was a human. Um, I think that's like where we're at with AI, which is again, terrifying do these people not watch movies um so whispers drops him off at the um special events floor and um the chief director (laughs) comes over the intercom and says this is your chief director speaking with regard to this morning's unfortunate event we are still working out the particulars of what exactly occurred and why Rest assured that once we have this information, we will be forthcoming with an explanation. In the meantime, trainee Amari Peters is to be treated no differently from any other trainee, that is all. And like... That's... It's the same as The othering of Elsie. You know, we'll wipe her memory and let it and see what happens kind of thing. Like, it's just not... See, I got the... When she pulled Elsie up on when when Elsie got her badge and she was like not only Mm. is Elsie a gold badge or gold star or whatever but she's also not fully human like girl mind your business it's just it's just just like me we are co-bossing together yeah except this is like the in terms of tone like I do get that you do have to explain what happened because Everyone else. Everyone was there. It happened in public. Everyone was there. Everyone understands the like ramifications of there being another magician. Like it, you know, everything went up. It was an uproar at the time. So I do understand like giving some kind of explanation, but it also just felt like it put her on the spot in a way that I think that they could have. There's no like. like professional like what is it like teacher development or like real pedagogy (laughs) here they're just well i mean even beyond you know we're gonna let's announce even beyond that i don't know it's like there needs to be like a 
PR wing and like how you yeah there's no PR but then there's also no care and like consideration of the fact that this is a child so like the way that you say yes like we were talking about last episode like it's just the way that you present that information I think needed to be handled differently than like and I think that it was also it would also like be for me important to say that like Amari Peters has done nothing wrong and we made we have found no like you can still say that we're um, still working out the particulars of what exactly occurred. You can say that, but you can say like, but what we do know is that Amari has done nothing wrong and will remain with the program. And um, if you have any questions, feel free to ask your, I don't know, hall monitor or whoever, even though Bertha is probably not the one you want to send them to, but still, you know, put the onus on like talking to someone in the in the bureau and not on Amari. Um I also for this part I had questions. I was like, what are like we are still working on particulars, like what exactly occurred and why? Like which part are you talking about Amari's like illusion of like the glass breaking and y'all like making it clear that she like it was an illusion and not actually her breaking anything? Or the fact that she's a magician. Like, what are you trying to explain? And how are y'all going to explain it away? Like, what are you actually trying? Are you trying to cover it up? Are you actually trying to, like, tell people the truth about what is... And what is the mystery? Like, we're going to... We need an explanation. Explanation for why Amari is a magician. Like, what is what is it? Like, what are you committing yourself to? I think it's also interesting, too, because they say... um, Rest assured that once we have this information, we will be forthcoming with an explanation. But, like, they've already shown through the way that they treated, like, Quentin's disappearance and magicians in general that they are not the most forthcoming group. Um, And then these, mm-hmm. by and large, are trainees. They're not members of the Bureau. So it's very easy to think that they could quickly say, like, we don't actually owe you a full explanation until you join the bureau or or whatever that is so um and then even seeing how they dealt with like elsie and like the two roommates that refused to room with her because she's aware of dragon like how do they know that she's aware of dragon did elsie like let that information out or did you like yeah. i feel like you should did, did bertha Right. was like oh just so and you like, know like it's your not, room is and, one with the wear dragon mm-hmm. and we we have to tell you because your parents would be right. upset if we and didn't i think that like you. i don't see an issue with telling people that like elsie's a wear dragon or telling people like amari's a magician and needs to stay but it, it's like bayana said a lot of it is the the how and the framing which is going to like really impact yeah. their experience um so magnus and like how well the institution is actually like trying to help the situation rather than just like scapegoat the person that yeah is different. Um, so Magnus says they were the ones who wanted to treat you differently in the first place. Bunch of superstitious clucks. They'd jump off the roof if someone told them the building was unlucky. And I kind of appreciate this statement as like superstition, like superstition, and and um. Uh, like a failed ideology because what, what we talked about last week is like the Bureau has come up with this very like n- 
with no nuance, very cut and dry, black and white. If you're a magician, you're evil or you're bad and not really thinking about the Mm -hmm. cause and effect or the fact that like the magicians that they know of, these two Moreau brothers are evil and bad and somehow stole or however we, you know, a lot of this is like mythology at this point and a bit of propaganda, but like, we don't really understand how magicians happen naturally or how, or, or what that is. Like the entire bureau is set upon the fact that like humans have a a magic potential, but they need Merlin's ball, crystal ball to unlock and enhance that potential. And so any human in the known world has some level or could possibly have some level of magic, right? We, anything from extraordinary organizational skills to like Amari being an illusionist. Um, but the Bureau has decided the only way that they can tap into that is through this one thing that Merlin designed a millennia ago or however long, probably not a millennia, but like time ago. Um, and then they stopped like investigating or figuring out why. Well, we think because there are departments that they won't tell you what they're ta- what they're mm-hmm. studying or whatever. But um and that's the story that's been told. So like I I do kind of think um I appreciate Magnus saying like superstition because it is true and we kind of mentioned like the only reason why Amari is deemed dangerous or extremely illegal is because they concluded that. Like they're this is actually a really great yeah. opportunity to see what a magician could be without any interference by the Moreau brothers, but they've already mm-hmm. decided. Yeah. They're not, they're not seeing it as an opportunity. They see the magician as the common denominator instead of the yeah. Moreau brothers themselves as like the reason why these people have historically not been yeah. good. Or even themselves as like a thing too, because if you're persecuting them and you're automatically deciding that they're evil and they haven't actually done anything to show that, then like, I don't know, maybe at some point they're like, you know what, right. how about I just get revenge because y'all aren't going mean, to let me do what I want to do. Like, what if there's a magician out there who really wanted to be in the Department of uh, Licenses and Records and they were like, I could revolutionize <laughs> this whole system. And like, make sure y'all are really organized and like on point. And they were yeah. like, "No, you're evil." And I think we and like, fine. I'm gonna go be a secretary <laughs> for the Moreau Brothers. Thing and I think we talk about this. And this is like, like sociology, like 101. Like this is like the thing. Or the Knight Brothers. I don't know if it's Mar- yeah, it's the, the Knight Brothers. Um, but this is like literally like one of the first things that you and it always when I got to college and I took a lot of sociology classes, like was super frustrating to me about like systemic problems is like if you disenfranchise people if you take away their ability to participate or get ahead in like the main system the only recourse they have is to go outside of the system right like if you put people in food deserts the only recourse they have to eat is like fast food you cannot blame them for a rise in mm-hmm. diabetes. Like you did that, you know what I mean? Or like there is a there is a clear reason. If you if you cut people off from being able to make money and they turn to crime, that's a clear cause and effect, right? It's just like it's very clear. And so this is one of those m- moments where you're like, 
what's not clicking to the powers that be. Um, So we get my, Mm -hmm. oh, go ahead. But I mean, the thing about the powers that be is that they don't want shit things to change. They just want to maintain power. So they don't really care. Um, But also the fact that like, for me, I was thinking in, in that lane of thought, this kind of felt like a, like Magnus making this comment about them being superstitious or whatever like this it kind of feels like it's like an excuse for their prejudice like oh they're just like superstitious they're always like they're like uh unfailingly and like unflinchingly just superstitious and it comes and i feel like it's like not actually airing out the like actual prejudice that that is inherent in how they treat magicians based on two men yeah but i think and this is where i was talking about with like the sociology and stuff like sometimes um, people will internalize the mythology and the mythos and like the um, like we see like these people are lazy right and like that's all and they don't actually do like sometimes we're so removed in time from the the like setup of the system and the people that continue to uphold it not everyone I think that like you know ev- everyone understands these things to a different level but a lot of people will uphold something because they believe in the mythos or whatever was being told to them and they do not interrogate further, right? They believe magicians are evil, but never once do they have like the intellectual curiosity to go, well, why? Like you ask that one question and it all starts to unravel, right? But like there are a lot of people, it seems, upholding this magicians are evil thing because that's what they know and that's what has been told and that's the story that is passed down. And they do not question it. Um, so I think one thing that, this is like one of my favorite parts of this chapter. So Agent Magnus says, um, well, Amare thanks him for having her back. And he says, I'm not going to lie. I'd rather the chief sent you home. I don't say that to be mean. I just want you to be perfectly clear what you're signing up for. Um the Moreau's awful deeds are well documented, as are the past 700 years of magician crimes in our world. People are going to form opinions and say nasty things about you based on nothing more than what you are. Are you sure you're prepared for that? And then Amari smiles at him in Black Girl. She says, or she thinks, being a Black kid from the projects <laughs> makes Mr. Mr. Jensen feel the need to watch her extra closely every time she comes into his store or how surprised the scholarship interviewers were that she could speak so well. People assume stuff about you based on things you cannot change about yourself. So I just do my best to prove them wrong, to be the person they're not expecting. Amari Peters changing minds one person at a time. Um, what do you need? She don't even know. Um, I I love that like paragraph that section of this chapter because I think that that's really something that like isn't articulated a lot but is very present in the minds of like a lot of black kids marginalized kids marginalized kids especially those that are not only marginalized but like then gifted right mm-hmm. like I don't know how many times someone has told me I was articulate growing up and then realizing that that was like not the compliment that they thought they were or like how surprised people were that like I liked the things I liked or I read the things I read or whatever and I'm sure that like uh, 
untold number of people listening to this have also had that experience. And um, it's just like, I've never heard it articulated in such a like, really like, like distinct way. Thoughtful and like distinct. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like this is the point of these books, like, or the series. Um, And so I do think it's nice that we get that spelled out pretty early on. Um, It's, it's one of those things, honestly, (laughs) within like fantasy, but then like, especially in urban fantasy. And then especially in some lots of series that we know, like um, of like how a lot of white authors will use made up marginalizations to (laughs) either explore injustice or to like explore their own fear of being treated the way that like marginalized people are treated in real life um and just kind of ignore the actual like real world um systems and of oppression and so i think this was interesting in that like it's just a it's just a compounded thing it's it's there's like an intersection. It's just one more for her. It's just one more thing for her, which doesn't necessarily, which doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it like, like she shouldn't have to know how to navigate these things at 12 years old, but it's very real. Um, And so I definitely appreciated that as like someone who read a lot as a kid and didn't really get to see that in fantasy books. Right. Um, And the fact that like a lot of kids can read that now and get, both the fantasy part and also get the like very real part that is like that they can resonate with and that actually feels like it's been written with them in mind you know yeah I think so many times like you like you're saying when this kind of sentiment is written by a white a white author it's it's written like a oh my goodness right and like as a black reader you're reading it like I mean that's a Tuesday Right? Like, okay. <laughs> I, I don't see anything special here. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I think that that is, it's really great that, that it's spelled out um, or it's laid out this way and that you get Amari's rea- reaction to it being, that's a Tuesday. Like, I'm not, that's not, was, was that supposed to scare me or are we just talking about things that happen every day, you know? Um, we're talking about days that in and why. So Amari responds, I'm prepared. I've been practicing my whole life. And Agent Magnus gives a small nod and then um, takes them down into the Grand Theater where a uh, guy in a gray suit rushes over to Agent Magnus and says, it's almost time. Agent Magnus um, is getting ready to leave Amari and Amari says, um, I need to make, she needs to make something clear for as long as she gets to stay, she's going to be searching for her brother, whether Agent Magnus helps or not. And Agent Magnus says, Quentin would much rather you stay safe. He cared about you. You're all used to talk about. Um, and consider how Quentin's going to feel if he manages to get himself found only to discover that something terrible has happened to his little sister because she went looking for him. He would be devastated. I, um, um, one thing I, like, love about this book, uh, I guess it's, like, another comparison to, like, other 
fantasy books like in this or other books like in this genre and like age group is like usually the kids are sneaking around so like when I first read this book I was just like it was like kind of jarring to me and not in a bad way but just more like I'm used to kids just like kind of trying to get around like it's not that she's not trying to get around the adults because clearly they're like not gonna they're not like interested in helping her at least at this point and so but still just like the way that she's just like this is what I'm doing <laughs> and like so if you yep, see me over here, like that's what I'm doing um I think it's just like very interesting like especially for her as a character to not be like I'm gonna sneak around she's like no y'all know why I'm here <laughs> and I think that that's like something that is really interesting um from Amari's perspective of them being very explicitly explicitly saying like we're gonna watch you is I think her saying like recognizing that she's gonna have more attention on her and so just being like cool this is what I'm doing I'm not even gonna try to hide it from you mm-hmm. um but I'm not gonna stop either and so I I, I wonder about like if they wouldn't have said that she was going to be under extra, like, monitoring. Um, I wonder if she would have tried to, like, go behind their back. Because it felt like when she got there, she wasn't going to be as upfront. And she was going to try to, like, have this, like, quiet investigation about where Quentin is. Um, and then she, and then Elsie just like read her aura and was like, I know what you've got going on. And so she was like, all right, I I can't hide that from you. And then agent Fiona read her intention. So she's like, okay, so it won't be a quiet investigation. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, (laughs) so I, I, I want, I don't know, but I have a sense that like, that was kind of her intent to sneak around. And then she was like, well, that's not going to happen, but I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. So I'm going to pivot and just make it plain. Yeah. I think it helps that before she got here, um, all the things she tried to do in the dark were immediately uh, taken away from her. Like they just could not happen. Like she tried right. to sneak oh. out of her house without the neighborhood really at her. That backfired. She tried to go, she tried to get downtown in that ugly suit without being clowned. That didn't happen. Like, so it's like, I feel like at this point she's like, you know what? You know what? I can't even, yeah. I can't even keep it to myself. It's fine. It's fine. Yes. I'm going after Quentin. Just so you know. We're all on the same page now, right? Okay. Okay. Like, like it helps that like, like that kind of, I could see her just being like, oh, well, like clearly every time I'm trying to do something in like yeah. stealth mode, it's not happening. So let's just, let's I'll just do thing, what we gotta do yeah. here. It's like, just let y'all know. Um, so if you see me somewhere yes. that you think I shouldn't be, you know what it is. <laughs> right. Just a blanket. Um, like. <laughs> and yeah. it's also for her safety as a black girl. Mm-hmm. She's like, look, I know how y'all treat me. I know how I know how it is already. So don't be trying to play all oh, oh she's Amari's a thief or some other like black thing they want to like stairs that they want to ascribe to her. Like, no, Amari is trying right. to figure out where her brother is. Thank you very what much. What are we doing today? Same thing we're doing every day, Pinky. We're trying straight. to find out where Quentin is. Um so Amari yep. talk uh says like 
Agent Magnus just dropped a truth bomb in my face and then walked away. And so she's feeling a little guilty, right? Like, yeah, Quentin would be upset if something happened to me. Immediately, she goes into the Great Hall. Elsie has been, um, is waving her over because she saved a seat for her in the back, which is like best friend behavior. Um, I'm going to sit in the back because I'm going to be able to see when Amari comes in and I'm going to save her a seat. Um, She's such a good friend. Elsie says... On top of being a dragon. I love that for her. Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create, a collective providing content through the lens of critical and creative fandom. If you want to support or partner with BNC on projects like Wizard Team, let's build. Find out how at blacknerdscreate.com slash support. At Black Nerds Create, we love all things fandom and creation, and we especially love fantasy. That's why we're excited for our newly named Black Magical History Month coming in February. Black Magical History Month is our sixth annual celebration of Black stories, characters, and fans across different fantasy media. Get ready for a month of digital events, challenges, and community turnups all across social media. To stay up to date and get more information, go to blacknerdscreate.com. She says, your aura is yellow again. What happened? Um, and then she's like, people are, are you really a magician? And she says, I think so. An illusionist. And Elsie says, well, if anybody gives you mean looks, just let me know. And I'll, Amari, not breathe fire on them. <laughs> I read that with a very Gen Z, <laughs> not the fire breath. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but, I, but I read it like, um, not breathe fire on them. <laughs> right. You ain't got it. Girl. You ain't, you ain't got it. You gonna like, make a, like, what are you going to uh, do? Invention? <laughs> right. <laughs> what exactly what you gonna do you're gonna breathe hard yeah, but just not have like, fire like, teeth for I a couple you, days and I, then we both know. <laughs> that kind of fire is that what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. and then right. Elsie lets her know I'm working on shifting so just you wait like don't count me out fire breath is on the table it's on the menu um it's imminent and it's imminent she says you know if you can handle rooming with a girl who could turn into a dragon at any time I can handle being friends with a baby magician I'm really glad they're letting you continue on. And I just love the baby magician thing. Um, so Elsie then explains to her that they're in the great hall or whatever it's called um, for a presentation from each department explaining what they do and why you should choose and why they should choose them to like intern with or like do the camp with. So it's that 1001 careers uh, pamphlet all over again. Um, so Amari hasn't missed much. She missed the Department of Supernatural licenses and records, nearly putting everyone to sleep. And then the director, um, and then director Rub-ish from Department of Half-Truths and Full Cover-Ups. Rubbish. Rub-ish. That one, I felt like not super mm-hmm. clever, like very clearly knew what he was doing, but still. But you know it. what? Mm. The thing is, is that when I was looking at it, I was like, is it rubbish? Is it in trash? Or is it like... Because also it's like, because it's half truths and full cover ups, right? So you're, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it's, it's both. It's also the like, you know, it's a double entendre. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a double entendre because it's right. they're full of crap, so rubbish. Like but crap. also, like you're saying, like it's a hyphenated rub hyphen ish, and ish is usually colloquially yeah. used for okay. um mm-hmm. another way to say the s word. Yeah, so then you're just like yeah. you're, they're just it's like it's, rub it's, it's crap. It's doing. I just meant that like the same thing. I guess the other names for me, I was like that could be someone's last name. And then I'd yeah. be like, oh, oh, I see. Okay. This mm-hmm. one was very clearly like, I'm making a play on, like his name is a play on what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to also say, like the thing that bothered me here, just like on a like, y'all could have did better. This is disappointing kind of level was how we talked about the um, the trainee who got in order, like some organizing skills and how like cool those skills would be to see in action. And it's very disappointing to see the department that has that is like boring on stage. Like there's so many ways to make organization, like not only like useful for people in their everyday lives, but cool sounding to do it. I was like, they need to get Marie Kondo up in there doing the presentation. See on my end, because That's I like so think of this department as like the magical DMV. I was thinking of like those, like tutorial videos that were clearly made to like 20 years ago and like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like that would also be funny <laughs> if you like put them up and they're like oh why do they have uh pagers like what's going yeah you're just like what is- what's going on in this like video um but yeah I-, I thought about it like that too um okay so then we are going uh through the presentations um, a man from the Department of Hidden Places steps out of a top hat where he claims an entire city is kept. A woman from the Department of Dreams and Nightmares puts the entire front row of the theater to sleep with a snap of her fingers and then convinces them that they are all being chased by a giant evil teddy bear named Bubbles, Destroyer of Worlds, which reminded me of Daisy uh, Quake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, and then she- in Dark Lord of All. Stormageddon, Dark Lord of All. Um, Two grumpy old men from the Department of the Unexplained tell us absolutely nothing at all about what they do on principle. And a girl from the Department of Supernatural Health has us clap along as she sings a man out of a coma. I'm about to ask if Elsie has any idea how long that poor guy has been in a coma when shouts ring out from above us. Every head in the theater turns upward to find men and women in gray suits running across the walls. They leap into the air doing flips and twirls overhead. Wow. Um, and then Agent Fiona comes out of nowhere, uh, standing upside down on the ceiling and draws a bow and arrow. She fires a single arrow that explodes into a flash of light and branches out, destroying all of the plates that the people that the gray suits threw. Um, and then they all land on stage, bowing to thunderous applause. That was amazing. And then Agent Magnus walks outside and says, I'm guessing you all know an agent when you see one. And I'm guessing a great many of you are thinking of trying out. Am I right? Well, what they don't tell you is that there ain't a more dangerous job in the whole bureau. Agents get hurt. Good agents, too, in nasty, gruesome ways. I know I'm wasting my breath. You'll all be after the glory and excitement that comes with wearing the gray suit. You all want to be real life superheroes, am I right? Well, just don't say you weren't warned, and then turns around and walks away. Which okay, so- I have not heard a more <laughs> convincing speech in my life. Definitely so- don't want to be part of the bureau. I had so many thoughts about about this like whole scene. <laughs> like one, 
I don't want to be an agent. I think maybe the Department of Hidden Places, they're like, maybe yeah. well, the I wonder Department what the, of Unexplained what might look be interesting. Like? No, but I just am like, not trying to be, I'm I not mean, trying, like, they're not, not even, like, the fact that yeah. they're cops aside, I'm just not trying yeah. to, like, be, run. They, yeah, they be but couture. it's like, even the, they could be couture suits, no, and I'm, I'm not trying, trying to go trying to run. Nah. I'm not Mm-mm. trying to <laughs> really do in danger. I'm not trying to be putting myself no, not, in dangerous not, like, situations. regularly. I personally, no. yeah, I just think like the whole wide world of magic and like that's what you want to do. Be a it cop. just feels like <laughs> it's been done, you know? <laughs> personally. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when I read the passage, I was like, it reminds me of like the demonstrations you see in like other fantasy books that mm. do stuff like this, like the Dauntless and Divergent and how like People, like, it appeals to, like, outwardly, like, I mean, extroverted reckless people as well as introverted reckless people. And usually, like, in these books, it's usually, like, an introverted, uh, slightly reckless person who's a protagonist. And they are always, they see this, like, presentation, they can see all this cool stuff ahead of this. And then this happens, the the dangerous people come through. (laughs) And then suddenly they found their, like, oh, my God, I really want to, like, be famous for this. And I'm just, like. I want to throw myself to the wolves. And you're just like, like, from Amari's perspective, every single time this happens when I read a book, I'm like, never me. I think it makes makes a lot of sense. The way that Amari thinks about it, I'm like, yes, obviously. This makes sense. If you chose something else, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I'd be like, you're tripping. But me, myself, personally, if I was there, that would not be where I was interested in. And like, it would not appeal to me. Yeah. But I have to say that I was a little disappointed in Amari um, thinking right then because um, she says, I'm thinking about trying out for a junior agent and not just because of how cool the Supernatural Investigations presentation was. Everything about Quentin is there. It's where he works, where the people who knew him work, and even where the people who are searching for him will be. That makes sense. But I was disappointed when she was like, Mm -hmm wow a couple of them swing like she was actually she i was clapping too my heart's pounding with excitement that was amazing and i'm like girl i think i would be that way you know what's amazing but it's not for me waking someone up from a coma that's amazing (laughs) i think i would be like wow that was so exciting after that like you put on a show good for you (laughs) oh you talking about danger no thank you yeah yeah like i would clap for that yeah, no. It's like a I, I'm like, I would be looking at the gymnastics that yeah. were happening. I'm like, I can't. I got this is very. <laughs> no. Yeah. Nice it's well done, but you know. it's not for yeah. me. You know? Yes. And, but I, but as you were saying about the woman in the coma who's stinging people out, like all these other cool things are happening. And I'm like, for me, it's like hard because like there's so many different abilities you could have. And so I'm sure the woman's thing was something like sings health or whatever. But I'm like, if you have an ability that is like fluid and can fit in any department and like like is there a way to like where you can hold access to multiple departments at once or do you just have to like train in the different departments and then just like move around they say that you you have to kind of have a focus right because they they mentioned earlier when she was first reading the 101 careers or when she was reading the the invitation thing that like you Mm -hmm. can if you decide that you don't want to do that you can come back to the camp and start over and do it again. but i'm saying like yeah, as a grown like adult a like after lateral you've been there for what some, is the you know what i mean yeah, yeah i don't yeah maybe some shadowing um 
But I, I could, I just imagine now seeing like a 40 year old at the summer camp being like, I was in the department of the unexplained for 30 years. And I just, I can't explain it. <laughs> but I feel like usually with those things, they like, they just like, they're like, they'll find you the appropriate, like entry level job for your skill yeah. set that you've already built over the 40 years. And then yeah. just like, that's what we hope. From um, so, yeah, but yeah. So anyway, so she's, so Amari's like, listen. That's where Quentin, that's where I'm going to find the answers about Quentin. Um, But Agent Magnus' warning felt especially meant for her. A reminder of what he just told her about putting herself in danger. Um, So. Oh, I also want to say that Agent um, Magnus's, and I'm sorry, this might have been your point before I interrupted you earlier, uh, Bayana. His speech was not an effective speech. Like nothing that he just said. If anyone wanted to be like he was using the same like um the whole like propaganda and like talking point and motif of superheroes to talk about the job while also acting it's- like he was trying to dissuade people from doing the job. Why would you call these people superheroes once again if you want to dissuade people from being in the job? And you being a grump, it makes you sound like a mysterious grump who's been there for years and not like yeah, an I mean, actual the whole, person I, who actually cares. The whole thing about is like- people join. Like for one, he's not the head of the full department, so like I do get it. Like he probably this is his job. Mm-hmm. Like what's his name? Van Helsing was like, go over there, recruit some people. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. everybody else is excited. They're like, I'm about to jump from the ceiling and like cross, do a flip and like all this stuff. So he's just like, okay, well I'm about to tell y'all, it's not all of this hullabaloo. But that's not like you said, not effective. I in my head, I'm like, if you really wanted again, bringing back the projector, like sex ed in eighth grade when they just like show a bunch of different STDs and they're like do you want this like that was legitimately a experience I had it's like is this what you want and I was just like no but also no literally I remember watching it and being like nah but like this doesn't seem yeah. like it's gonna dissuade anyone it just feels traumatic for no reason but like maybe maybe that <laughs> I think it would get the like the people who were slightly thinking about it, but like not fully, you know what I mean? But not after all that flipping yeah. and stuff. They would have to dead that mm-hmm. and then just do again, just the See, and that's why I think that. like this is the truth of being an agent. Do you want this? And then most kids would not sign up. <laughs> like, oh, do you see yeah, like agent exactly Quentin like and yeah. his partner like the, missing uh, in action. Like in like the, all incredibly years, uh, all the injuries. When, uh he when Mr. Incredible sneaks into the thing and he finds out about all the girls uh, that have been killed by the robot. So, mm-hmm. like, it had to be one of those. We're like, missing, dead, missing, dead. Like, all that. Mm-hmm. And then I think I think it would have worked. Mm-hmm. But I think he's working within the parameters. Of yeah, that. I feel like that was already... They had their rehearsal and they did everything and then he pulled an audible with his speech. Like, he yeah. actually had a speech written that was supposed to be like rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. And then everyone was standing there as Magnus is like, it ain't all that. But I... I do think it's interesting to the kind of like built in cynicism that he has. Like you guys are already infatuated with the idea of superheroes. I know what's on the pamphlet. I know what you, what you've read. And I, and so therefore I don't foresee me. But he's also right, in the face of like, it as well, which is funny. I think there's like a part of that, that is to me like, indicative of this whole world where they kind of just do this shorthand like everyone has had the same experiences or everyone reads like there could be a couple people who 
like if I was in the bureau, right, saw that superhero, whatever, and I was like, this is copaganda. Right. And like, <laughs> so like you could have actually like reached some people, but they just kind of assume that everyone I mean, it's harder when they're in these things mostly the same way. Pre-teen, preteens too, though. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think right. if I was 12, and I, I think the vast majority of them probably, yeah, I think the vast majority of them probably were like, yeah, this is awesome. This is superhero stuff. But like, like Amari says, like, I think he was talking to her. Yeah. And in that, in that case, it kind of worked, right? So she sees Elsie scribble down Department of Magical Science as her top choice and then quickly fill in the other four spot, slots. Um, so she stares down in her card and scribbles junior agent in big letters and then scratch it out. And Elsie is like, I think you'd make a great agent. You're a Peters. You practically got hero in your genes. Um, and Amari tells her bestie, you know, maybe Agent Magnus is right. Quentin would want me to be safe. And my supernatural ability is illegal. They probably won't even let me in. Elsie says, do you want in? Um, because if the situation were reversed, I don't think there's anything anyone could say to Quentin that would convince him not to look for you. She's got a point. If my stubborn, hard-headed brother decided he was going to look for me, no one would be able to stop him. Elsie smiles and says, now go on and get yourself into supernatural investigation so we can start our own investigation. Elsie's... Did she say we? Elsie's great. <laughs> Besties. Could be um, me, but I would have really been like, you know, yeah. I, I'll, I'll I mean, move you on. Well, Elsie's the man in the I mean, chair. Elsie's got that Elsie's, Elsie's the playing man. Right. Do that. I'd be like, you need me to go to the library? Yeah, yeah I got Elsie's you. playing like, it right. I'll, I'll right. do some research. Yeah. I will analyze some things for you, okay? You need yeah. me to exactly. do some calculations. So got Amari you. says, you mean you'll help me find out what happened to Quentin? And Elsie says, I'll do whatever I can, promise. And just having one person with her is a huge weight off her shoulders. She feels instantly 10 times lighter. She jots down Department of Supernatural Investigations and does as her top choice and leaves the other four slots blank. Reckless. 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 The introverted reckless. The introverted reckless protagonist played again. It makes sense. See, but here's my thing. Again, would not be, but also I think that she could have been a little more strategic in that, like, she could have thought about other departments that maybe would have been Department of Records and, like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it would have been interesting if she didn't get into the ages, but then there are other places that she could look because, like all the people who are looking for Quentin are in that one mm-hmm. department. Obviously, it's possible they're but missing I don't, things, but like, that's, that's it could I don't think so because if you think about and it, that like could the be Department the of Licenses and Records. Like, this is like okay. My thing about like being a librarian, so everyone thinks like, oh, librarians just give you books and they know about what books are coming out or whatever. But there's like a whole plethora of like specialities and things that come mm-hmm. with being a librarian like being an archivist right like when you hear about the like those like cia papers that get declassified after 50 something years like there could be stuff in the department of records and licenses yeah could be stuff in the department of the unexplained um that like yeah maybe someone from investigations found but they just filed it away right and you could be hmm, in the library piecing together what's happening without having to do flips and shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm that's so what like, I'm saying. I, I think it could have been it could have I understand at least from like her perspective and like as a Gryffindor 12-year-old, 
like <laughs> or just a reckless reckless little 12 year old like just being like this is it we're doing it live like that makes sense but i think if she had taken another second to think about it then she could have put other departments that could have helped her in her search like just as backup plans like plan b's it doesn't mean you can't get into the department of supernatural investigation right. you know what i mean like you can make friends with somebody who's an agent and you know like you have elsie to help in other ways you could have somebody else but i mean she's she's 12 that's what also i'm saying like she's she 12 like, like she's like no but she also has going I, going hard or yeah. go home but she also has uh, yeah but she's only had the pamphlet for like a day and within that That's day true. had no time to actually like yeah. give it a deep read she has no prior information about the bureau so she doesn't know like that would be her only way to get like to know where she might want to go instead of the department of investigations and uh once she was there also had no I time know. because bertha <laughs> over here be in the waters bed. So she just had, has had no time to like even have a moment mm-hmm. to gather any like intel that she possibly could use to. I do her, think it's like, interesting that they make them choose later. right so after like it's as really soon as the showcase is over instead of like giving them the rest of the day or like time to really sit with it. Like they're yeah. really relying on rec on like and the like I of like impulsiveness. Yeah, because yeah, I was also thinking about the fact that like. But also, like, but, uh, but also, they're relying on people who having family backgrounds who know about it or whatever, like already knowing. And I think it would be interesting if I think like, it would be interesting if this was just like this. Is, you have like a week of shadowing the four different positions, and then you make your choice after you've had a, t- a chance to yeah. uh, shadow the four things you selected. Well, they don't that really say like how long people, uh, cadets or whatever they're called, usually get like. Amari got her um, nomination the day before. It was already, like, Homeboy was like, it's already too late. Like, the camp starts That's tomorrow, true. right? Like, so like this behind. was also, like, fast-tracked. Um, con- like, mm-hmm. conceivably, even if you didn't have family in the Bureau and this is your first time, you got not- you knew that you were nominated a month or two before the camp started and you had the ability to, like, read these materials and stuff like that, too. So there are a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And then also call because it didn't get like you could call right, the right. guy like if you they, had questions. They have a little bit more like, yeah. um, support than Amari received. But the one thing I was thinking about, and this is one of those like she's twelve, so I understand why she's not thinking about this. Is that in light of the meeting after finding out that she's a magician? It feels like joining the Department of Special Investigation, so it makes sense in her search for Quentin also is like a another target on her or makes her you know like that's van helsing's department as well and we already know how he feels about her and so like me i would be like well i already have this one mark against me so i'm gonna go i'm choosing the department of licenses and records or whatever and then like trying to sneak under the radar and like do what i can but like stealthily um, this goes back to her being an impulsive, reckless, Gryffindorish twelve-year-old as well. Or um, that's not what she thought. But also, I don't think that like she's had time to really sit and formulate like you know new plan. Now that I know that I'm a magician and everyone knows that I'm a magician, and there's like this target on my back. Um, so it would be interesting to think, or it's interesting to like think about like how she would have 
responded if she had a little bit more time to absorb the information that she just got. Like she really literally went, this has all happened to her in like what, two, two days from like not knowing about the department, like mm-hmm. Bureau of Supernatural Affairs at all to like choosing a department. Like it has literally been like two days. So um, she doesn't have time to breathe. She also seems like she has a confrontational um, <laughs> personality type, like versus like I'm an avoidant personality type. So I'm like I'm avoiding Ben Helsing. Like I will stay as far away from that man as I possibly can. F that man. I don't want him around me every day, and I would have never wanted to be part of his department. However, she's confrontational, and I feel like she like she's not worried in the moment. Ben, ben Helsing doesn't even register to her in this moment when she's trying to figure out if she wants to decide to take this job because she doesn't feel like it's something that she can't not confront at a later point. Like, it's not even a, a thing for her. It would have been for me. I'd be like, oh no, yeah. I'm avoiding that man. Um. Okay, so who is your MVP for this chapter? Um. I said Elsie. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she's just a good friend. She was there to like, like, saved her seat, like knowing that you know, not knowing what's going on with Amari, but knowing that she's like missing the beginning of this, so saving her seat and then kind of giving her that last push to really, um, and like boost of confidence to like do what she came here to do. I also gave Elsie as mine, um, as she is literally like the wind beneath Amari's wings um, and the support that the one support person that we've seen her have, like it's only been a day and she's already willing like to be like gang gang with her. Um, And it's sad. Like this is, this is, isn't this real life where it's sad that you like make a deep connection with someone because you're both Mm. from a hurt place from like people didn't want to like, like sleep, spend uh, time with me and like be, my roommates and you're down to be my roommate and that's you're not that's like that's like a decision that you made lightly like you're just you're in it and so I'm making this decision that's not made lightly either to support you and I love that for them yeah. but I also hate the circumstances for them um and so it really is like heartwarming in all those different ways for me yeah I mean it reminds me of like I think my best friend in and I also made Elsie my MVP but I think like my best friend in like elementary school we had the same birthday i think that was like the lynch sealed it Mm. we now are best friends and then my current best friend who i met when i switched moved um moved back to san diego in high school so i'm in like 10th grade don't want to be here like you know ripped away from whatever it was her first year at the school too and we both liked in sync and that was like all right, we go together now. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that's so funny now um, when I watch like Aminacha go to the playground or whatever, or like, and think about like myself, like how many like check marks, I, like no new friends over here at my big age, but like how easy those connections are made. And then like, in some ways they, they break up just as easily, right? You make a best friend at the p- playground and then you never see them again. Um, but then in other ways, it's like, you know, me and my best friend of, damn near 20-ish something years we both were in French class and we liked NSYNC that was that was what we hit it off on and like um and I also like the fact that like Elsie saved her seat not knowing right like we we don't know like people that were kind of 
embedded in the bureau and stuff like like Elsie who's kind of grown up around this like know that like being a magician is illegal so why wasn't Elsie's first thought oh she going to jail <laughs> I'm never gonna see her again that sucks you know um so just like having that faith that Amari was gonna come back to you I just I love that um benched uh the chief director just because I feel like she should have handled the like way that she kind of presented that information about Amari at the beginning of the chapter better. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where like you kind of, they remind you often that it's like, this is a workplace. It's not like they have this camp for kids, but it's not really a place for kids. Um, and I feel like that's a little, like this is like a moment where we kind of see that is like, she doesn't really have... I don't know. Like, it's not a school with, like, a principal, right? And not that, like, you know, we saw the principal at Amari school, so it's not like they're, like, gonna necessarily be better, but it, I think just the way that she's thinking about it is less on a this is a child kind of thing and more like this is a problem to be solved. And so, yeah, I just feel like she could have handled that better and figured out a better way to support Amari while, you know, keeping an eye on her. I don't think that it, like... It's necessarily bad for them to learn more about her magician status, but it's just like kind of how they're going about that is not great. Um, I also made the chief director my uh, bench person, but for me, it was because <laughs> I had to find someone to take the blame <laughs> for like, yeah, I didn't like the announcement thing. I think it was very underhanded. And I think that it, um, in the same way that Magnus's speech was ineffective um, for people who would want to join the department because it's not actually backed up with anything to help them think through it. Same for that announcement and that like it doesn't deter anyone from having any prejudice against her as a magician. It's not really like showing any like institutional support. Like if people if if my announcement like even like a, like a little a quick little rejoinder like and if my announcement is like if you go against my announcement or if you do something like in the opposite effect of what I've announced right now to like treat her the right. same you there will be consequences like put a little bit of uh, behind it so people would actually do it that was a thing for me um but the bigger thing for me in this moment um was the fact that like they had taken Amari away from her peers and they like, yes, it was a necessary conversation, but perhaps it could have happened at a different time because they, she's already coming in here without the same amount of information as everyone else's. And you've kept her from this, um, this demonstration for her to like actually get grounded into the world and actually feel like she's part of this like cohort of kids who are all coming in together. Um, and for me, it really brought up to me, like, Toni Morrison's quote about, like, racism is a distraction. And, like, their prejudice against the magicians is a It's taking Amari away from being able to do her very basic things that she should be able to do as a trainee for the Bureau. And there's no thought behind it. There's no, like, oh, maybe we should be thoughtful for, like, how can we make normalize her being her existence here um, and giving her all the support, like, like the basic Things like practice what you're preaching, basically. You say treat her like everyone else, actually treat her like everyone else, and then just take, set an appointment to talk to her on the side after y'all have all had a moment to mellow out a little bit. And I just, 
I think that the chief director was probably the best person to put that on. Um, but it's mostly all the directors, to be honest, but definitely the chief director. Um, and I benched the two unnamed men from the Department of the Unexplained, just because, like, I get it, like, on principle or whatever, like, you're the Department of the Unexplained, so you're not going to explain things. But, like, how does that help? I mean, maybe some kids like a little mystery. Is it scientific? Am I putting myself in danger? You don't got to tell me exactly what's going on, but tell me what, like, am I going to be sitting in front of a desk? <laughs> are we, are right? you talking about like, aliens? Like, are we talking about, like, like what is, what is unexplained actually covered? Are the reason we have World War One? What is my role in that? They, and they come back every right. year to apologize. Like, what? Do I have to talk to them? Three times a year. Three times, Three times a year. Three times. So am I involved in that? Is it like, am, am, I, am I joining, like, the Department of State where there are things that are classified, but it's, you know, very civilized and a bunch of meetings and you get coffee and you have to understand, like, cultural practices and bowing correctly? Or am I in the CIA destabilizing nations like which one is it <laughs> i'm not trying to raise my hand i mean sometimes it's technically it be, both it's unexplained you know or it's both i just feel like they don't even explain your they don't is that is that a thing you become a trainee they don't even explain their job their job your actual like objectives <laughs> to your job to you they're just like here's what you're doing they just Continue. stood there and said no we ain't telling you shit pick us yeah. sounds very CIA to me that is like you talk about like the reckless teens like that's who is though that's where they go in at least the department of investigations I know I'm becoming <laughs> a cop like that's true I don't know what's going on over there <laughs> I found that to be very insufficient so that's us for chapter 11. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, thank everyone for listening. We will not leave our chapters that we read unexplained. Um, join us next week when we have a chance to talk through and discuss chapter 12. Wither Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create. If you want to keep up with our other content, you can. Check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Twitter at blk nerds create at yana wrote it at robin underscore rambles and at poor she uh you can follow us on instagram and tumblr at black nerds create and subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter and don't forget to rate and review us uh wherever you're listening to this podcast thanks y'all bye, bye. bye.